Welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. In the meditations of this retreat guide, we considered what Jesus meant when he declared that those who are poor in spirit are blessed, that the kingdom of God will be theirs. Being poor in spirit simply means humbly recognizing and joyfully accepting our absolute dependence on God and our need for real communion with God in order to find the happiness we yearn for. Most Christians would agree with the truth of that statement. And yet, few Christians seem to live with the depth of interior freedom and the intensity of spiritual joy exhibited by St. Francis of Assisi and other saints who lived poverty of spirit so fruitfully. How can we grow in poverty of spirit and gradually experience more fully the blessedness that comes with it? That's what this conference will address. Spiritual growth always involves working simultaneously in two directions. If we compare our souls to a garden, as so many spiritual writers throughout history have done, we can understand those two directions easily. On the one hand, we need to uproot the weeds, any plants that don't produce the fruit we want but steal the nutrients and choke off the growth of the good plants. When it comes to poverty of spirit, the humility which recognizes our radical dependence on God and joyfully accepts the consequences of such dependence, the main weed is spiritual pride, the arrogance that wants to be self-sufficient in the pursuit of happiness and holiness. The most basic form of this spiritual arrogance shows itself when we think that our achievements, understood as worldly success experienced through money, awards, or other kinds of recognition, will bring us the fulfillment we yearn for. Rooting out this weed involves purifying our intention, the why behind the what of our activities. Having purity of intention means striving to do our best in everything we undertake out of a sincere desire to serve those around us as well as possible, and in that way to image God's love in this world. We can tell that this weed of arrogance is growing when we feel resentment towards people who have more success than us, when we feel sad in response to someone performing better than us in our chosen activities or when thirst for success and achievement leads to the neglect of basic duties like prayer, honesty, quality time with family, and balanced, humble care for our own basic human needs. We can tell that our intention is pure when we are able to rejoice in the successes of others as much as we rejoice in our own, and when we wisely keep a healthy balance between the different sectors of our lives. There is another more subtle form of spiritual arrogance as well. This weed can grow deep roots before we even recognize its presence. It has to do with a tendency towards self-sufficiency in our efforts for spiritual growth. In this scenario, we've already overcome our tendency to think that fulfillment will result from worldly success, but we start to think that success in our pursuit of holiness is primarily up to our own efforts. This leads us to start piling on spiritual and ascetic commitments, sometimes even to the detriment of our health and our family relationships. We start designing our own crosses by indiscriminately introducing all kinds of sacrifices and fasting. We start thinking of growth and holiness as a self-help program. Push these buttons and check these things off the list, and we will become saints. We lose sight of the central importance of simple friendship with God 
and we turn our spiritual lives into a kind of training program for the spiritual Olympics. This approach to spiritual growth is extremely attractive to some personalities because it offers absolute clarity and a high level of control, but it ends up feeding the weed of self-sufficiency and leading often to spiritual burnout, existential frustration, and even moral catastrophe. Uprooting this form of spiritual arrogance, this self-sufficiency in holiness, is not easy. The best tools are regular spiritual direction with a wise spiritual guide or confessor, healthy fellowship and mutual accountability with a small group of friends who are also intentionally pursuing holiness, and ongoing study about the spiritual life. Pulling out the weed of spiritual pride and keeping an eye on the garden so that weed doesn't come back is the first way we can cultivate poverty of spirit. The second way is by nourishing the virtues, the good plants in the garden of our soul, that produce the fruit of poverty of spirit. The key virtues related to this first beatitude are humility, generosity, and gratitude. Humility is the virtue at the very core of poverty of spirit. The word humility comes from a Latin word meaning of the earth or grounded, from the root word humus, which means simply earth. In the Bible's creation account, human beings were created from the clay of the earth, into which God breathed the breath of life. Humility, then, is this awareness of our limitations and also of our greatness, of our dependence on God and our call to glorify Him through making something beautiful of our lives. We can foster growth in humility, especially in two ways. First, through prayer, reflection, and study, we can fill our minds with the truths of our faith. Faith is our acceptance of what God has revealed to us about the world, ourselves, and Himself. God has revealed the deepest truths about our origin, the source of our happiness, our need for grace, His own love for us, and His providential care for us. Constantly nourishing these truths and striving to understand them more and more deeply helps us correct the skewed worldview, often called our darkened intellect, that comes to us through the consequences of original sin. When Jesus proclaimed that He is the light of the world, He was impressing upon us the importance of absorbing into our minds all that He taught. Think about how much information, how many images and ideas enter our minds each day. How many of them come from the gospel, the catechism, the writings of the saints, and the teachings of the church? Our minds are constantly being bombarded by half-truths and actual falsehoods about our true identity, our value and worth, the nature of the world around us, the purpose of life, the source of happiness. Popular culture in a secular, post-Christian world surrounds us and seduces us with lies about those most important topics. Unless we intentionally and regularly counteract that darkness by filling our minds with the light of Christ, there is simply no way we can deepen our experience of interior freedom that comes from living in the truth at the core of poverty of spirit. Nourishing our faith isn't the only way to grow in humility. Reacting calmly and with a sense of humor to our failures and frustrations is another way. Whenever things don't work out the way we planned, the way we wanted, or the way we thought they should, we find ourselves face to face with the truth of our own limitations and our own inherent weakness, 
we are not God, and so we can't govern the universe, or even our own lives, as if we were all-knowing and all-powerful. Finding ourselves face-to-face -face with our limitations is a golden, a platinum spiritual opportunity. Our natural fallen selves tend to react to those situations with anger, resentment, and violence, discouragement, or some other self-referential emotion. All reactions stemming from this distorting sense of pride, of expectations that we should be able to figure everything out and work everything out just by thinking clearly and acting wisely. But in fact, even when we do our best, which we don't always do, things don't always go well. When they don't, we have a chance to recognize and joyfully accept the simple truth that we are not God. Here's how St. Paul described his own experience of the golden spiritual opportunity that presents itself to us every time we fail or fall or make a mistake. Therefore, that I might not become too elated, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, an angel of Satan, to beat me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I begged the Lord about this, that it might leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. I will rather boast most gladly of my weaknesses, in order that the power of Christ may dwell with me. Therefore I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong." 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Whenever we experience our weakness, whether through failure or frustration, paying attention to our reaction to that experience and steering that reaction toward calm confidence in God and a sense of humor regarding our own limitations is a sure way of nourishing humility and cultivating the blessed fruit of poverty of spirit. Generosity is another virtue that blossoms with the first beatitude. Generosity is that beautiful capacity to share with others whatever we have. Generosity is the contrary of greed, which accumulates things and hoards things and takes a crooked pleasure in simply having more than other people. This starves the soul, feeding the weeds of self-sufficiency and arrogance. Generosity, with our money, our goods, our time, our attention, frees the soul. The joyful Scrooge at the end of Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol is someone who has weeded out greedy miserliness through acts of generosity. Only the generous person will avoid the spiritual snares and tangles that come from setting our hearts on material possessions. This is why Jesus could say to his disciples, Amen, I say to you, it will be hard for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 and 24. Material goods, wealth, honor, even knowledge and experience in a certain sense, are not bad in themselves. But because of the twisted tendencies of our fallen human nature, we have a penchant for becoming inordinately attached to things that we own. That attachment undermines our poverty of spirit by feeding a false sense of self-sufficiency and even convincing us that our true happiness is somehow dependent on material prosperity more than communion with God. Generosity 
Giving or sharing our goods, whatever they may be, with those in need, not only gives us a chance to live Christ's commandment of love, but also protects us from the stranglehold of greed. Being temperate in our use of material goods is an excellent encouragement to generosity. This involves disciplining our desires for luxury and indulgence. Again, not because the good things of the earth are evil, but simply because due to our fallen nature, it is extremely easy for us to become inordinately attached to these things. In this sense, the Church's own liturgical rhythm of feast days and fast days can be of great assistance. Celebrating feast days and Sundays with family and friends, with good food and healthy entertainment and recreation, is a healthy way to enjoy material things. Creatively putting some self-imposed limits on our use of material goods on other days, for example, taking a cold shower, drinking only water at meals, eating less than we would like, abstaining from certain forms of entertainment, faithfully exercising and doing chores. These kinds of small sacrifices can be a healthy way to keep an eye on our fallen nature. This is what the Catholic spiritual tradition refers to as asceticism, or voluntary renunciation, a balanced, common-sense vigilance over the disordered tendencies at work in our fallen human nature. It keeps us free to be generous, and that, in turn, nourishes our poverty of spirit. Finally, poverty of spirit receives a real boost from one of the most beautiful expressions of humility, namely, gratitude. A grateful person simply cannot fall into self-sufficiency. A grateful person acknowledges our dependence on God's goodness and power, manifested either directly or through the generosity of others. A grateful person knows how to accept gifts joyfully. This implies a humble acceptance of one's own needs, of one's own limitations, and of the goodness of other people, all signs of poverty of spirit, all contrary to spiritual pride, arrogance, and diabolical self-sufficiency. A proud person may accept a gift joyfully, but only because they think they deserve it. That is not gratitude. It doesn't establish a real connection with the giver, a real interpersonal relationship. Gratitude can be lived intentionally in our relationship with other people, but it can also be lived intentionally in our relationship with God. In fact, the most perfect prayer and act of worship in the world, the sacrifice of the Mass, is known as the celebration of the Eucharist, and the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. By offering to God the very body and blood of Christ, united to ourselves through humble prayer and sacramental communion, we are showing how grateful we are for the very gifts God has given us in Christ. Nothing is more precious to us than our communion with Jesus, and so we have nothing more precious to offer God in thanksgiving for His grace than our very selves united to our Lord. The more we can weave gratitude into our prayer, not just asking God for all the things we need, but taking time to thank Him for all His gifts and to savor those gifts, the more we nourish the poverty of spirit that allows for deeper communion with our Creator and Redeemer. The more time and space we make to experience God's goodness as manifested through His giving us so many gifts, the more our souls rejoice in discovering how deeply we are known, loved, and valued by the Lord. That discovery leads us out of the darkness of this fallen world and into the light of God's kingdom. For those reasons, gratitude is, as some spiritual writers have described it, the shortcut to holiness. Cultivating poverty of spirit involves uprooting 
and keeping uprooted the weeds of spiritual pride, as well as nourishing the virtues of humility through bolstering our faith and keeping an eye on how we react to failures and frustrations, generosity, including a healthy dose of asceticism, and gratitude. Blessed are we if we make a point of doing our part in that cultivation, for the kingdom of heaven will be ours. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org.